0: Are you feeling like no one understands your struggles, that you're isolated and alone, like no one has your back to support, encourage, or celebrate your wins with you? Well, let me personally invite you to join me in the Living Fearless Today Facebook group. Hey, we recently launched the group and are open to other men just like you who want to know their worth, value, and purpose to grow in confidence, find their worth, and appreciate their contributions. So if you simply search Living Fearless Today on Facebook and uh, then just click to join us. I look forward to meeting you, seeing your growth and the success you begin to experience in your life within this band of men. So before we jump into this episode, I want to give you a behind the scenes on this one. You're going to tell that it's been pieced together. And the reason is on my side, the internet that I have went down as Joe and I were getting ready to finish things up, (laughs) whether it's due to the construction that they're doing in the area, which has been the cause for my internet going down, or if it was just some squirrel that got hungry and (laughs) and decided to gnaw on the cables that provide the service to my house. I have no idea, but I want to say, man, the calmness that you hear from Joe, that is genuine. He called me back. On my phone, obviously my internet's down, so he couldn't reach me that way. But he did call me back. Recorded on his side the ending portion, and so this one's this one's going to be a little bit pieced together. You'll see the transitions. I apologize. Didn't want to re-record just because Joe was so open and just shared from his heart, and I didn't want to try and recreate that and miss something that Joe had provided in this initial recording so i hope you'll be patient with me on this one understanding with the tonality difference towards the end and yeah i just this one was awesome joe's an amazing guy and so i really hope that you enjoy this one as much as i did thanks my friend this is the living fearless today podcast a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Hello and welcome back, my friend. I am so pumped today to have my friend Joe Sanic with me. Joe is a keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, upcoming author, has number one podcast in coaching and counseling. Go check it out, please. It's practice of the practice. And so it is my pleasure to introduce you to Joe Sanic. Joe, how are you doing today, buddy?
1: I'm doing great. Dropped the kids off at school and I'm hanging out with you. I mean, I got my coffee. Like what else can I have going on, man? <laughs> coffee
0: is vital in the morning, man. That's where I get like my my fats. It's, it's part of my habit, my ritual in the morning. So I fully understand that. Can we start out talking about where things are on the business? You've got an upcoming book in the background here for those that are seeing it in video. Thursday is the new Friday. And I love the concepts and stuff you talk about. So can we dive into the business side first?
1: Yeah. So I'm trained as a psychologist and licensed professional counselor. So very traditional counseling type of path. So when you think mental health, that's been my world for years. And so for a long time, I worked at a community college and did that full time, then had this side gig counseling practice and also a side gig little uh, podcast I was doing since 2012. And in 2015, I left that full-time job to do practice of the practice, which is my main business, and then the counseling. In 2019, I sold that counseling practice to one of my clinicians, which was a great thing because I had really moved away from doing the counseling. I was doing one or two sessions a week, and it just wasn't a passion anymore. But really helping people start, grow, and scale their coaching and counseling businesses has been such a, a passion for me. Because you know every single one of those people, say they have 20 people on their caseload, and they hire three more, and you just talk about impact on the mental health world. It's just so much more scalable to make a gigantic impact on people's lives. And so for years, I've created different products that help people to really start, grow and scale their private practices. So that can be as simple as we have a membership community for people just starting out. We have another one for people that own group practices. We do individual consulting. I have a team of of four consultants that work with me with all of these other folks. We have a team of eight in South Africa that um, really support that world. So they do podcast engineering and YouTube video editing, just the whole kind of media side of it. We have five sound engineers that work on the 17 podcasts we oversee. And then we've trained over 200 clinicians to launch their own podcast through Podcast Launch School. So really from that moment, somebody says, I want to start a coaching or counseling business until they want to exit it and start doing a podcast and e-courses or even sell their business. We have different things along that entire spectrum for people. And then the book really brings together the big picture way that I think about things that we don't have to burn ourselves out. We don't have to do all these tasks that we just hate doing, that really when we find that thing, uh that's our, our our big thing to run towards and reduce our time and really use these psychological techniques, we can get more done faster. That's the best use of our time. And then we can outsource and, and kind of change those, those other aspects and, and hand it off to other team members. And so, you know, I'm, I know we're going to get into a lot of things today. But one of the big things really that I've learned is as I give myself less time, I do the best work possible. And so, you know, even showing up here to be on this interview, I can't send my director of details just to come do an interview on my behalf. I mean, I could, but it'd be super weird. (laughs) Uh, But she's right now, she's checking my email. She's checking social media. The other team members are posting. Those are all things that maybe in the past I would have done. But all day today, I'm doing interviews about this book. I think I have 10 interviews today. And so it's like, I can show up for that because I've limited the amount of time that I work on all the other things.
0: It's, it sounds like it's almost like the day before we go on vacation where you're hyper-focused and very effective in reading, you know, what it's about and what you're bringing across. I'm like, who doesn't want to be more effective to have more freedom in our life and just be, you know, present in the time that we have off. And I think yeah. with COVID, that's something that's really been a struggle is creating boundaries and that those time frames of I'm at work. Nope. Now I'm over here and being able to be present. So I think the book is like coming through at a crucial time with a fantastic message. So,
1: well, and I think that, I mean, I know you're a family guy. I'm a family guy. I'm raising two daughters. And when people are just stressed out and maxed out, they're not as efficient at work. And so when I think about it, I think about that every minute that I'm dinking around, not doing what I should be doing at work is a minute I'm stealing from my daughters. It's a minute I'm stealing from my own meditation practice or even raking the yard or like hanging out with neighbors. Like Every single minute that I am not effective in the work that I'm doing, I'm stealing from my personal life. And so why wouldn't I want to say, okay, let's shorten this up and get things done and run full tilt, but not at the expense of all these other things. I don't have to be burned out. I can actually find that by slowing down on the other side, the research shows us that we're actually more effective. You know, I love that you use that analogy of the day before vacation, because it's so true. People get so much done that day. And it's like, why don't we, you know, work three or four days a week that hard and, you know, take a day or two off extra each week. We could do that and get the same amount done and actually probably be more creative and more productive
0: and more joyful (laughs)
1: and more joyful. It's just more fun. Right.
0: on the on the personal side of things what does life look like for you there joe
1: yeah you know i have two daughters that are 7 and 10 so i frequently have glitter in my hair or i'm playing mario kart or doing some adventure outside we live in northern michigan which is just a beautiful part of the country and so uh frequently we go for hikes and go to the water and you know meet up with friends so for me prioritizing their development i want to raise girls that own their own bodies that, uh, you know, understand consent, even down to if I want to hug in the morning and one of my daughters says, no, I don't want to hug. Okay, good. I'm glad you're owning your body. So really that to me is number one is figuring out how do I create a life for my daughters and for myself in raising them that I can really just help them become all that they really want to be in life. And then, you know, when I look at kind of daily life, we live in an amazing neighborhood where my daughters can just go knock on people's doors and, you will say, Hey, you know, is is Laney home? Is Malin home? And so it's really that like 1980s neighborhood where you can just like let your kids go roam around. And so it's a close knit neighborhood. So spending time with neighbors, uh, you know, right as we're recording this, kind of back to some social distancing and outdoor activities uh, with the different variants. But for me, that social side has always been really important. But then, you know, on the other side of it, it's making sure that I'm kind of paying attention to what I need. And that's, you know, in being a single dad, Making sure that I'm doing my own meditation practice. I often have a cold brew smoothie in the morning with all sorts of seeds and you know greens in it and peanut butter and started doing watercolors just to do something fun. So I do improv every Wednesday. Uh, that's something that makes me laugh harder than anything all week long. So I, I start with the personal because so often I think we jump to when someone says, like, what's your life look like? We jump to the work. And if we and we don't have to always tie this back to the book in our discussion, but in the book, I do talk about how the neuroscience really shows that we're at our most effective when we prioritize that personal, that slowing down first. Uh, Because the message we often get is on one side, We have these productivity books that have, you know, here's the five things that you need to do um, to be more productive, but we haven't done the internal work at all. So we're not going to be productive in the way we need to be. Or on the other side, we have these books that are these woo-woo self-help books um, that say, you know, make a vision board, manifest it to the universe, but don't do anything. And and so actually the science is showing us that we need both sides of that, that we need to slow down. We need to have the watercolor painting in the social time so that we can go kill it in our businesses as well. So that's my world right now. (laughs)
0: That is awesome. Now I think the big question is who's winning at Mario Kart?
1: Girls, oh, girls. Lucia, my 10-year-old whooped me last night. It's so funny. This is what I love about Mario Kart. So we have the old Wii version of it. So it's not the new like one. So you can fall off things. Whereas I think the new uh, Switch, or not new, it's not new anymore. It's, it's kind of old. Uh, you can, like, can't fall off the edges as much. So, so my my 10-year-old Lucia, she kept wanting to play this one uh, route called Rainbow Road, which is just like so hard and you just fall into space. I want to keep playing this. And she said, I'm bad at it, so I want to get good at it. So uh, on Rainbow Road, oftentimes, you know, she would be, you know, fifth place and then she was fourth place and I'm like second and first, and then she's like creeping up closer and closer. And finally she starts getting first place, first place, first place. And it was just it was so cool to see how she didn't avoid the hard that she said, yeah. you know, I want to get better at this. Like, what? Who who knew that Mario Kart would have such a life lesson for my little daughter?
0: <laughs> there you go. And it's in those, man, where we just encourage them. Yeah. Come on, bring it. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can think of so many times where it was like no that was you know when I was an unhealthy dad that was intimidating it's like no I must be the the man and yeah. and and you know would squash that but that's the healthy side of it is when we can take a lesson like you are and encourage them to grow through that
1: well, even just talking about, you know, what is healthy smack talk and what is unhealthy smack talk? yes, uh, and, and, and where can you do these things? Like when I was a kid, like certain swear words were always wrong or certain ways of talking were always wrong. But then it's like, but wait, I'm with my friends right now and I'm not with an, an authority figure. Is it wrong here? And as adults, you know, there's ways that we talk to our you know parents if they're alive or ways that we talk to our friends or ways that we talk to our coworkers that all shifts. So even being able to say, like, yes, we can talk smack talk, but here's what would be mean about that. And here's what would be just like kind of funny. And who might you talk smack to when you're playing Mario Kart? Who might not you talk smack to? Like if, if you're playing with Poppy, her grandpa, maybe you don't talk as much smack. So even just learning to like parse through that, I mean, she'll come up to you and be like, you want to play Mario Kart? And do you want to go down? <laughs> it's like, that's like hilarious. I'm like, yes, I want to go down, but I'm not going to go down because I'm going to just absolutely steamroll you in Mario Kart. So it's just becomes this. Like okay we can talk smack in a way that maybe outside of this little time we don't talk to each other that way. And so learning to turn it on and off is such a skill for kids to to be able to develop through just a random Mario Kart race. I love
0: that. That is amazing. <clears throat> hey can we transition over to talking about some of the challenges that you've come through back in in 2012? Can we jump to to that time frame and and talk about that?
1: Yeah, I love that you're bringing this up because so often we see people that have written a book or done a podcast and have these, this laundry list of great things they've done and think, wow, there's someone special that has some like blessing from the gods that I don't have. But that's just not true. You know, usually it's just like hard work over time. But 2012 was a really tough year. So my 10 year old Lucia, right before her first birthday, needed to have open heart surgery. And it was something that for her first year of life we knew about. And she was having to have these, extra kind of, we call them breast milk milkshakes, where it was you know breast milk plus formula to get her calories up because she just wasn't gaining weight. So she finally got up to weight and had open heart surgery. She was in the hospital for a week and she's all puffy as this little 11 month old, Kid And she had all these different issues going on and she got through it successfully. She has no health problems now. She's fully can participate in sports and everything. So it was about six weeks after the surgery, we went in for a checkup and, you know, they checked her and said, you know, it's awesome. The surgery went great. She sounds great. You know, great. Lots of hope for our kid. And then about two weeks later, my doctor found a lump in my throat and found out that I had thyroid cancer. And then, you know, we thought we were out of the whole medical system, but jumping right back into it. And so I had to have radioactive iodine treatment, had to fly down to Texas to get my thyroid taken out, had other glands and things taken out. And I mean, that was a year my grandma died. My best friend's wife had breast cancer. It just was a year where it's like, how much more can a family take? And, you know, we all have those 2012s or we will. And just to be able to go through that made me pause and say, like, what's my potential in life? What's, what brings me joy? What do I enjoy? And it was really interesting because that was the year I started Practice of the Practice and I had started my podcast. You know, I didn't end up leaving that full-time job until 2015, but it's it planted the seed. 2012 really made me think, do I want to do this the rest of my life? And it wasn't one of those jobs where I'm ready to mic drop because I hate it and be like, ah, I'm leaving this place. It was a place I loved. I had autonomy. I could create programs. I mean, I went sailing four days a week, taking college students out sailing to like help them meet other people, and figured out a way to get paid to sail. Like, who wants to leave that job? But I realized that that 40 hour a week job was limiting for my future potential. And so for me, I really thought through: would I rather stay in this job and never know what I have inside of me? Or would I rather jump and potentially fail and not really know that if it's going to work? And I decided I just couldn't live with not knowing what my potential was. And so, you know, did a lot of planning, had a lot of savings over time. Um, even with my second child, used the full family medical leave act um, to be able to test it out where I worked 20 hours a week to basically cover health insurance. Did that from, let's see, that would have been September till April. And then every month it financially was better than the month before. And then eventually in April of 2015, left that full time job. That's
0: awesome. How did, how did you set yourself up? Mentally to one, traverse everything that's going on, but two also to be able to, to then set the the path to make that transition. Because I mean, it's, it's like, you're having to grow into something. You're not just like, Hey, I've got the rays of sun on me and I'm automatically blessed and making this. What work did you do to get, get yourself to that point?
1: Yeah. You know, even during that transition time of the Family Medical Leave Act, when I was only working 20 hours a week at the community college, I started taking four-day weeks where I would take Wednesday off to just be a self-care day. Like really recognizing that I wanted to slowly kind of reset and say like, what what do I want this business to look like? So that first summer of being completely, you know, away from my full-time job, I did an experiment where I took Fridays off and just said, you know, I'm going to do this for the summer. We'll see how it goes. And every single month continued to be better than the month before. So then when the fall came, that became permanent. And then I kept doing time studies. And so I think that part of it was, Reining in the amount that I allowed myself to work right from the beginning. I think other mindsets were really realizing how to get to a certain point in a business. You have to have lots of hats, unless you are you know have a trust fund or something like that that's going to fund it, or you know a partner that can help fund you or something. But if you're building a business from scratch on your own, you're often wearing multiple hats. You're doing the bookkeeping, you're doing the account, all these things that you're terrible at. Uh, but really, when I realized that. I quickly needed to start removing as many hats as I could. So I started with removing all the hats of things that I knew I was bad at. You know, I mean, at that time, when I would do my business spending, it was through a business account, but I would just put my receipts in a drawer. And at the end of the year, I'd like look at them. So I knew I was really bad at paying attention to my finances. So brought on an accountant, brought on a bookkeeper. Yeah, that costs money. But then I had a better sense of what's coming in, what's going out. Then after I kind of got rid of all the things I was terrible at, um, started to look at, well, what are the things that... I Really like doing, but they're just not really a great use of my time. So, for example, every podcast I would do the audio editing for, I'd be doing the musical transitions, I'd be doing like an image for it, I'd be emailing the guests. So, you know, a half-hour interview would turn into a three-hour project. But I loved it. I'm an artistic guy. I, you know, used to be in bands in, in college. And so it felt like, oh man, I'm doing audio engineering. And but I when I started outsourcing that. I realized that there was more brand consistency because there was one person that was doing just that. I could tear through the amount of podcasts because I just show up, I do an interview... And after that, I'm done. Like I do nothing after that. And so the team takes it over. So now I can make two or three times more content instead of doing three, three and a half hours per podcast. We're talking half an hour. So then I can just start to put out more content, which helped with SEO and other things. And then I'd say after outsourcing, the the biggest thing was to just kind of reinvest in the business to keep saying, like, how do I remove myself from things so that I can take things off my plate with the purpose of then saying what's that next really big thing? So one year um, that was going for counseling, I think it was charging 150 a session. And I said, if I could get three or four consulting clients at 300 an hour, like that's a big jump forward for me. And then it was, if I can get a mastermind group or two with say six people, each paying $500 a month for two hours a month that we're talking, that would be a big jump forward. And then next, it was if I started a membership community where there's predictable income coming in over time. And you know, then now we have over 200 people that are paying 100 bucks a month to be in this membership community. And then in late 2018, it was if I can get a traditionally published book through I don't know, like a Harper Collins. That'd be amazing. That, and especially if it's a New York Times bestseller, like that's going to open doors that are unexpected. So routinely, I'm taking the new projects, putting it on my plate at the.
0: Beginning. Hi. Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough, and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation.
1: Beginning getting that plate spinning, but then handing off that plate as much as that I can. There's always the five or 10% I have to be involved in, but to have most of that work be on somebody else. And then I go into the new phase to really keep kind of leveling up the business.
0: That's awesome. The one thing that it's like, I'm wondering, you're creating all this this free time, right? This, This efficiency and this intentionality, you're creating free time. How have you made sure that this new extra time I mean, it's not extra, but, you know, you've got free time. How are you making sure that you're utilizing it well for, you know, yourself, your family, instead of, Hey, I'm just going to mindlessly scroll whatever social media, or I'm going to check out and go Medicaid over here. How are you retaining that intentionality just the same way you are Monday through Thursday, you know, with your work?
1: Yeah. I think that, I would start with, I'm naturally wired in a number of ways to be an achiever. So my Enneagram type is a a achiever, which is number three with a wing four. I tend to be more on the side of, I need to have permission to not be productive. I'll wake up on a Saturday morning, you know, it might be eight o'clock and I'll feel like sleeping in an extra hour, but I'll be like, oh, but I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. I could optimize by taking my kids hiking or these things. I tend to just, I think, naturally be a person that wants to achieve And I would actually say that's something that I've really had to learn the value of not always being productive. And so even just the other day, my, my daughters were with somebody else and I had, you know, a morning and I was like, what do I want to do? It was kind of a rainy day. I'm like, I honestly feel like just like eating a big breakfast and watching a movie. And. I'm like, I feel so lazy. And there's all this mental garbage going on. And I'm like teaching people about how slowing down helps them be more productive. But it's like, but it's Saturday morning. The neighbors are outside gathering sticks and doing a bonfire in the morning. And I hear people blowing leaves and doing other stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I've never dove into the Marvel universe. So I'm going to dive into the Marvel universe. And and so I, I would actually argue that we do need to give ourselves permission to just be lazy. But understanding, is our default kind of that laziness scrolling through? So if your natural default is that, yes, maybe we need to block out some things that are going to make you be more productive on the weekend or more intentional. But most of, I'm guessing, you know, a lot of your audience and just knowing you as a person... That conversation around being so productive all the time and intentional all the time, I think we've overdone in a number of ways. And so I would actually say, i enter into a weekend or a week and say, what's one thing I can add and what's one thing I can subtract? So what's one thing I can add to this weekend that at the end of the weekend, I'm going to feel like that was awesome. So it might be, oh, I just discovered this new hike. Like if my daughters and I go there and go like blueberry picking and go see the water and go look for like. Pitasky stones or all these things that would just be so fun to spend two or three hours doing that. So I'm gonna add that in. Uh, or for me, doing improv every Wednesday, like that's a non-negotiable because I laugh so much and it's just as good for me. So I add that in. And then what can I subtract from my weekend that actually reduces stress and helps me just relax a little bit more? So it may be you know years ago I was just like every weekend I end up mowing the lawn and I just hate it. And the neighbor kid was like, "Can I mow your lawn?" I'm like yes. So for years I haven't mowed my lawn and that. I don't worry about that going into the weekend now. And so there's little things like that, that we can give ourselves permission to say, you know what, I'm going to have my groceries delivered this week because I just don't feel like battling the crowds. And I'm going to feel so excited for Monday, even though that cost me maybe $25 to save myself three hours of my weekend. Like you only get 52 weekends a year. So why not here and there start to add these things in? And then you start to discover, ooh, that thing I added in, that really made me come alive. Or maybe that thing I thought that would make me come alive wasn't as fun as I thought. Or that thing I subtracted, wow. That stress that I just started off my shoulders is pronounced, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe you go back to going grocery shopping, but doing these little experiments to optimize yourself, to feel better, then allows you to realize, wow, like I'm entering the work week with a much different posture than if I was stressed out for my weekend.
0: Yeah. I love the balance. And and Joe, I, I don't know for me being a high C on disc. I would never be focused on on tasks, but I love the balance of that. That's super helpful. As you've been stepping through and making all these changes, you know, you're taking on a task, you get it up and running, you're passing it off. What kind of, of tools, tips, you know, advice have you gotten? And also, you know, as far as like with the growth that you've personally gone through, what has been stuff that's helped you? to get to that next level, to continue digging in and, uh, you know, facilitating just that that forward movement.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting to kind of reflect back to see the different phases. I'm a natural cheapskate in a lot of ways where my parents taught me about saving money. And I remember buying my first skateboard in second grade and had to raise the $20 and then my parents matched it. And so like being smart with our money has always been something that I have valued. And so it's, it, it's been hard for me to shake that in a number of ways. So early on with Practice the Practice, it was a lot of bootstrapping unnecessarily. And so I would say my first big shift was that outsourcing that I talked about earlier of just finding team members that can do things that I really shouldn't be doing. Whether I like them or not, I should not be doing these things. And so reigning in my schedule enough to say, I'm dropping the ball in these areas. I don't want to drop the ball in these areas. I need to bring in a team member for 15 or 20 bucks an hour so I can do this high level stuff. I would say then the next phase was to have some really great coaching. And so I hired Jamie Masters from Eventual Millionaire. She, The things she taught me in just probably six months just blew my mind and blew up my business in a positive way where I really was able to go from... I mean, I can track back a good half million dollars in sales directly to that probably 30K that I paid in consulting over six months. And so having somebody that's gone before me, I mean, in the past, I'd be like, all those consultants, like, what can they teach me that I can't read in a book? That's true. Like we are past the information age. You can get information on just about anything. If you want to watch a million YouTube videos, sort through them. We're really in the implementation age. And so finding people that have done what I want to do and hiring them just has sped up my progress. And then kind of the next level after that is really looking at how do I then tap into networks that in a in a sense, maybe I don't want to say that I have no business being in, but that you know would be harder for me to get into. And so a lot of even just kind of paying to play and finding how I do that in a way. And let me explain how that works. So for example, we made a shift a year ago with our membership community, next level practice. So that's specifically for people starting and growing uh, a coaching or counseling private practice. So typically, you know, one on one work, getting their website set up, all of that. So it's a hundred bucks a month. People are in this and we have all sorts of different things. But one, one event we do every month is ask the expert. So for years, these were often people that I had, that I was their consultant. And so I'm bringing along people that maybe are a little bit below me in regards to their skill set, but they're above the audience. And so it was a great way to give a spotlight to people that were, you know, consulting clients of mine. And then I started thinking, you know, who do I personally want access to? I'm like, well, I want access to Pat Flynn and to John Lee Dumas and, you know, Jeff Woods from the one thing or, you know, Dr. Julie Schwartz Gottman, these really big picture people. And so I looked at, you know, these people are paying a hundred bucks a month and, you know, we've got 200 or so people in there. And I thought, what if I had a budget of a thousand to $3,000 every month? that I put into bringing in really just mind-blowing high-level experts. Let's just try this out. And so I started reaching out to people that I just, they were on my dream list um, and and said, hey, I'd love to do either $1,000 for your hour or do a bulk book buy up to $3,000 that we would buy your book and send it out to my audience Um, for an hour of your time, zero prep. I'm literally going to just interview you for 10 minutes and then you're going to take questions. So very easy. Yes. Hopefully for that expert, no prep at all. They show up, you know, for them to just do a thousand dollar hour for a lot of people that that's, you know, big money, or even if it's not, they're like, Hey, it's a thousand bucks to just show up. Um, Or I get to sell a whole bunch of books. And so I, I threw this out. I started with people that I really admired, like John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn and Julie Schwartz Gottman. And it worked. And I was just like, wait, what? And so then, but through that, I think what I didn't realize would happen is it then positioned me as someone that was to be taken seriously in a way that's different from just, Hey, man, will you come on for free for this live webinar? And then like these people that have put in tons of work to their podcast have such a great brand that clearly in that situation, I'm getting more out of it than they are that it shows that I'm someone that's willing to hustle and to pay for someone's time and to play at the same level and not be seen as below them. And through that, I mean, I've developed some great relate with these people that we've brought in, but I think it's because it was a starting point of saying, I'm. Maybe not equal, but I'm at least like acknowledging all that you've put into it. And so, uh, whether it's that or paying a PR company to help with all of the the branding and PR for the book, when you start to reinvest, you know, a percentage of what you're bringing in, I'm not saying you should go into debt for any of these things. It's just amazing how then that starts to scale more and more for you.
0: And how? So how would that show up? How would you carry that over to like the personal side? Like you talked about the mowing, so I can I can see that there. Or would you also be talking about maybe having groceries, you know, delivered or picked up? I mean, what are some some ways yeah. we can do that in our personal side?
1: Well, we often hear about sprinting or batching. And I think a lot of people are like, it doesn't work for me. And so in the book, I talk about sprint types. And there's you know four different sprint types that helps you sort out. In the same way we have personality types, we also have sprint types. And people probably just haven't aligned with their sprint type. So even looking at how I approach the house... For me and for my daughters, having a clean main area Makes me feel more at peace. It makes me feel like we've kind of got our act together. And so every single night we sprint the main floor of the house and it's like everyone's going to put their stuff away. You know, there's certain places that don't have to be clean all the time. Like they have these little cubbies in our mudroom and they have a toy area where their toys can be all over the place and they can have Lego projects that are, you know, in the middle of their project. And, you know, their bedroom has to be somewhat clean. But, you know, what's happening is that they see how having a clean main floor makes them feel. And so it's not just doing this for dad's approval, which a lot of us. I think it was like either a punishment or a positive consequence from our parents. Now it's something internal for them where they say, I feel better when my space is cleaner and more organized and it's less frustrating because I know where my stuff is. So now it's gone from daddy's thing to now our own thing. And so even applying this kind of sprint culture of like yesterday, I said, all right, we've got 10 minutes. Uh, I see that we've got a bunch of bags here by the back door. Let's get as much of this put away in 10 minutes and whatever we don't get done, we don't get done. So even just allowing some of that, you know, I think also that idea of trusting your body is something that in business, making sure that I'm optimized going into interviews that you know, I get eight to nine hours of sleep every night. I eat pretty darn healthy. I try to make sure my body moves. I have a standing desk. So by the end of the day, I'm tired from working instead of, you know, have back aches. And so that idea of trusting your body in my personal, my girls, a lot of times I'll say, you can eat whatever you want. You just need to listen to your body. And it's been interesting to see the shift. So we went on the road in a camper for eight months. But then within that, we took a two-week road trip. Just the three of us, we kind of went around to Yosemite and Sequoia and did whale watching in Monterey. Um, and I said to him, all right, so for these two weeks, I'm going to try some new rules. Um, the first rule is that we're never in so much of a hurry that we can't pull over and see something cool. Any one of us three can say, pull over. We're never in a hurry. And, and so like some, some things that I never would have called pull over on, like you know, my seven-year-old was like, I want to go bouldering right there. Like, whoa, awesome. Let's do it. So we did it for an hour. And you know my 10-year-old was pouty about it, but then eventually joined us and was like, that was awesome. The second rule was you can eat whatever you want. Just listen to your body. And I remember one morning, my seven-year-old, she had Pringles and bacon for breakfast. And I was like, how's your body feeling? She's like, I feel great. I'm like, okay, <laughs> shoot, maybe this is going to backfire. That same night, she ate three bowls of goldfish crackers. And I'm just looking at her like, you are going to feel like crap and never eat goldfish again. And she was laying in bed. All the lights are out. She and her sister are in a bed and I'm in to bed. And she's like shaking. She goes, daddy, I ate too many carbs. And so now she knows three bowls of goldfish is way too much. But at the end of that time, we were at Starbucks, I was getting a coffee and I said, girls, you've been amazing today. You helped pack up and all these things. Do you want a cake pop? And they both said, no, our bodies don't need a cake pop. And it just felt like this, like dad win, like it worked. But I think when you take away that scarcity mindset from your kids um, and from yourself in business, where you say, you know what? I can always create new things. I can create new products. I can listen to new audiences. I can do things differently. Instead of saying there's only one cake pop and I might get it every two weeks. Of course, they're going to say yes to a cake pop then. But when you just say, hey, you want one? And they're like, no, I don't feel like one right now. They know that probably they could get one when their body feels like they want a cake pop. In the same way in our businesses, if we start to listen to our bodies more, if we start to listen to our audiences more, um, it then helps us adjust to what actually needs to happen. We don't have to strive as hard to get people to believe what we believe. And I think that's
0: powerful because you're, you're putting your daughters in a position to be able to make the decision to make that discovery. And self discovery seems to carry so much more weight than having rules dictated to us. So I love the way you went
1: about that. Yeah. Cause it's like at some point in your life, your parents say, I don't care what you eat, you know, whether you're 18 or 21, or it's just when you're not at mom and dad's house. I'm like, why should I wait till that moment where they then get to start? thinking for themselves. And even down to, I mean, just as you said that I, I often say to them, you always have three options. And this comes out of the fact that as a kid, it was like, if mom or dad said, you need to do this, you had to do it right then. Like there was no advocating for yourself. It was just like, you just do it. There's no gray area, which I always thought was really dumb. Cause there were times when Like I'd be playing a video game or be reading a book or something. And they're like, you need to come to dinner right now. And if I had one more minute, I could get to a point where I could save this or I could finish this chapter or whatever, but there was no way to do that. And so I say to them, you can always say yes, like, okay, dad, like coming and just listen to me, which is you're never going to get in trouble for just listening to dad. You can say no, and you'll almost always get in trouble. Or most of the time you have the option to respectfully advocate for your position. And if you make a good case, I'll listen to you and I'll probably give you that wiggle room. And so I'd say 80, 90% of the time, they're respectfully advocating for their position. Hey, girls, I need you to come put your laundry away. My Netflix show has one more minute in it. Dad, can I please just finish this up? Yeah, great. After that minute, then go do your laundry. And then they say, okay, they go to their laundry. There's no fight there. It's just they've learned to respectfully advocate for their position rather than just you know have someone in authority tell them what to do. Or, you know, there are times when I say, no, we need to get in the car right now, put your shoes on. And they say, okay, like this is one of those times that you can't respectfully advocate.
0: Yeah. But giving them that power to be able to do that, I think gives them also the grace to understand when you say, Hey, we need to go now. That's yeah. a true statement. And, and they're taking you at face of value and jumping into it. I love it. Joe, I want to say, thank you so much, my friend for joining me here and sharing how you've, you've made space for yourself to grow, how you've come through the different challenges. You know, you talked about your, your daughter's health, your health, and just, you know, then as you gave yourself permission and space to, to grow and then continue growing it and passing stuff off, we don't always have to be the one that's got our hands in the pot. We just have to know where things are at, Joe. I think that is so vital. And then also talking about, having four days in our work week to create more space for us to be in a healthier place. Joe, if you would, let us know how people can get in touch with you. And then also how can they get a copy of Thursday is the new Friday.
1: Mike, thanks so much for that. Yeah, the book Thursday is the new Friday. It's available wherever people get their books. So it could be a local bookstore that you order it through. could be Amazon, wherever you want. It's in audio form. It's in digital form or just traditional form as well. And so they can grab that wherever they want. If they get uh, five or 10 of the books, they can always go over to Thursday is the new We have all sorts of bulk buy purchase things such as we have a mastermind group and some other things that you get access to if you buy more and five, and you just submit your receipt over at Thursdaysthenewfriday.com. And then the best place moving forward for people to go would be joe We have all sorts of resources there. We have the internal inclination quiz over there that when you buy the book you get access to that. We're also having people submit their experiments around the 4-day work week. And so if they try something that works or doesn't work for them to submit their experiments there and we want to try to really share what people are learning around the 4-day work week. I really feel like we're moving in that direction within our generation and we need to continue to learn from each other to get towards that 4-day work week. So Thursday is the new Friday is the book and this has been awesome.
0: Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. Helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode and remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.